have you got tips go on what how to be happy yeah well we've got five connect be active take notice keep learning give what about make money and clamber to the top uh you need you need some but after that money is very very inefficient way of getting your well-being oh my evil plan is ruined (laughs) (laughs) hello my name is Kirsty styles and welcome to the weekly economics podcast brought to you by the new economics foundation This week, following 0.5% growth in the economy in the final quarter of 2015, we're talking about whether GDP really tells the full story with Juliet Mickelson, who's an Associate Director of the Wellbeing Team here at NEF. Money doesn't quite make the world go round, but it's probably what preoccupies politicians more than anything else. But should it? Britain's economy ended 2015 on a soft note as the annual pace of growth slowed to its weakest in nearly three years. Well, these GDP numbers show that the British economy continues to grow steadily. GDP is the big daddy. It's the measure of all our economic activity. Just as the GDP figures, actually, they don't give a full story of our economy's growth, but they give us a useful indicator of where we're headed. It's not often we talk about sex, drugs and rock and roll when it comes to GDP. Uh, Prostitution, £5 billion worth in 2009. Illegal drugs, another £5 billion. Of course, you cannot capture happiness on a spreadsheet any more than you can bottle it. So hello, Juliet, and welcome to the Weekly Economics Podcast. Hello. (laughs) Hello. Um, So uh, GDP figures were out last week and the UK economy grew by a mega 0.5% in the final quarter. So George Osborne has been, uh, seemed pretty happy at least. Uh, Is he right to be? Well, he can be happy if what he cares about is growing the amount of activity in the economy, although if you look at the figures for over 2015 as a whole, actually it was the lowest growth for three years, so it's, it's not a fantastic story. If he, what he cared about was something slightly more challenging, which is the amount of economic activity per person in the population, GDP per capita, that's only just about recovered in the last year to the levels we saw pre-crisis, so that is not, you know, maybe not such a great story. If what he's thinking about is the sorts of things that seem to be driving that growth which is essentially when you look at when you look at what's underneath it is consumer spending driven by growing rates of of, um, household debt uh, he might start to feel a bit anxious and if he was uh, thinking about what outcomes that growth is having for people in their real lives and society as a whole then it's a really mixed picture Um, you know there are real questions about is the economy delivering things like security decent and fair incomes for people? Is it storing up problems by the harm it's doing to our environment? So, you know, I think he would really need to be feeling rather gloomy. Okay, interesting. You just kind of changed my view of George Osborne, kind of skipping around to him, like anxious. (laughs) So um, you don't think that GDP then tells us uh, the whole story about the UK economy. But first of all, can we just do a bit of a jargon buster? And uh, if, if you could explain what GDP, that's gross, uh, as in large, not disgusting, domestic product. Can you tell us what that is? Yeah, so essentially it's a measure of all the stuff that's circulating in the economy, all the goods and services that are produced in the economy. And it's it, it's it's worked out by economists um, using an equation that adds up, firstly, what uh, household spend, essentially that's just people like you and me, what we spend um, on kind of anything you can think of. Um, 
what the government spends, what businesses invest in things like new machinery, equipment and so on. And then what we get from selling things to the rest of the world, so our exports, minus the money we spend on importing things from other bits of the world. So you add all that up um, and you get a figure in, in pounds. But uh, the growth figure that we usually hear is actually a percentage because what that does is look at the number of pounds in that GDP figure in the current period and compares it to the last period and tells. And then we have a look at what percentage the increase that's growth or decrease, which is what economists would call negative growth is. Negative growth, that's optimistic. <laughs> so um, GDP adds up all the value of the goods and services we produce, as you've said, over a period and puts uh, an overall figure on it. And then we measure in percentages uh, how much that amount is growing or getting smaller. Have I got it? Yep, yep, that's right. Isn't that quite a good way of measuring how our economy is doing? It's, it's a, it's a goodish way of measuring how much our economy is doing. Um, but the, the problem is it, it kind of leaves so much out. I mean... There are various economists who think that just on its own terms, it could be um, revised in various ways. And one of the ideas that people discuss is the idea that it, it it's very blind to the type of activity, but only really cares whether, whether a monetary transaction is involved. So um, if someone spends time looking after their child, that doesn't count towards GDP. But if they pay someone else to do it, it suddenly becomes counted in GDP and seen as a productive activity. Um, but but that's the real key problem because it's very blind to what those activities are as long as they're within the market economy. So let's say our you know if if traffic safety deteriorated and we had loads more road accidents and then the NHS had to spend more money patching people up afterwards. From a GDP point of view, that looks like it's a good thing because we're just doing more economic activity. I mean, and similarly, it's been reported that the, the airstrikes that we're now carrying out in Syria are adding a million pounds a time to our GDP. Now, you know, you, you might have different views on that, but it's kind of morally questionable activities. But from a GDP point of view, that's good. So it counts even if it's public services? Yes, because government spending is is a key part of, of what what goes into that. So it sounds like uh, it's a bit of a crude measure, at least. Are there better measures uh, of our economy than GDP? Well, we've been doing a piece of work here at the New Economics Foundation, which is sort of asked the question, what would you be looking at if we want to ask, answer that question? What should an economy be delivering? Um, and we have chosen a set of five indicators to be really used at that headline level, really guided by what the UK public has said when they've been asked. What does it? What really matters, and what we should should we be measuring? Football. Um, well, <laughs> not quite. Um, so our measures that we've come up with are good jobs. So we look at what proportion of people in the labour force are in secure, decently paid jobs. We look at well-being, how people experience their lives as going overall. We've got an, a measure of the environment based on the carbon we consume and how close that comes to a limit set to avoid dangerous climate change. A measure of fairness, which compares the income of the top and bottom 10% of households, if you arrange them all by income. And a measure of health, which looks at what, what percentage of deaths could be considered avoidable if we had really good quality health care and public health provision. OK, so let's pick up on a couple of those then. So the economy grew by 0.5% in the last quarter, as we've already said. Does that tell us how many good jobs were created? And actually, Julia, if you don't mind, what exactly is a good job? 
So we count someone as being in a good job if they are in a job which pays decently and is secure. So just to sort of say how we define those. So for decent pay, we use the research-based level of the living wage, which is essentially based on research which asks people to say what they think a socially acceptable minimal standard of living is. Um, And so currently the living wage is £9.40 per hour in London and £8.25 outside London. So a job's got to pay at least that. And it's got to be secure. So that means either someone's on a permanent contract or if they're on a temporary contract, they say they're not looking for permanent work or they're self-employed. So if they meet those conditions of security and decent pay and they're in a job, they count as being in a good job. Did the last quarter tell us anything about how many good jobs were created? Well, the, the, the trouble is that there's so much emphasis on the GDP figures that they come out in advance of any other statistics. But what we do know from our research looking at 2014 is that that was the sort of end of a trend where over the last few years, the number of headline jobs in the economy has grown. So the number of people in the labour force, those people who are looking for work, um, there are more of them in work, which sounds like a good thing. But our measure shows that over that period from 2011 to 2014, the number of people who are in a good job, those decently paid, secure jobs have actually fallen. So what that's telling us is that although our economy is creating more jobs, it seems to be squeezing job quality and the quality of jobs overall is declining. Okay. And so you mentioned um, the uh, well-being, uh, which might sound a little bit fluffy to some people. Do we measure, I guess it's happiness, do we measure happiness uh, in GDP figures and has that been increasing with the increase in GDP? Well, so GDP figures standardly don't measure it, but the ONS, the Office for National Statistics, has started measuring people's experienced well-being which you can call happiness, but it's happiness in the broadest sense, how satisfied people feel about their lives overall. So they've been measuring that um, again since since 2011. Um, and then we have seen that figure increasing. So essentially people are rating their satisfaction with their life on a scale of zero to 10. Um, so, yeah, as I say, it's been increasing, which is um, it's, it's kind of a little bit um, hard to explain because we've only got four years of figures. But what we think might be happening with that is that in the, in, the, in the peak of the financial crisis, there was a lot of insecurity around. People were losing their jobs and a lot of other people were worried that they might lose their jobs. And that creates a lot of fear and insecurity, which we know is terrible for people's well-being. So the recent increase that we've seen in well-being, we think, is likely to be a sort of moving away from that real peak of insecurity. And, and people are starting to feel a little bit more more secure in, in their circumstances. OK, so isn't well-being measurement, I guess, quite subjective? I don't even really know when I'm happy, Juliet Mew. Uh, so how can you know how happy a whole country is? Well, yeah, it's really interesting, this issue of, of what's subjective. I mean, there, there's always subjective things going on in measurement. So just if you, if you take GDP, until there was a big change to how we measure it. So until recently, we didn't count income from illegal activities like prostitution and illegal drugs. But then in 2014, it was decided that we should do that. Um, and that's actually caused the row that you might remember in 2014 that we had with the European Union about the size of Britain's contribution to the EU. And it was all down to that we made this change to how we calculate the figure. Now, it doesn't really matter whether you think it's right or wrong to include those things. But the point is, we can decide that they're in one day and out the next. It's a subjective judgment. But I think, like you said, there's this particular concern about whether we're reliable judges of our own inner states, funnily enough, because actually, of course... Who's better to tell you how I'm feeling than me? Um, but and, but there's lots of there's lots of research to back this up now. So we know that um, if you ask people to report on their lives and give it give them a rating, those 
measurements are correlated with things like brain scans, with things like people's stress hormone levels, with how happy their friends say they are. Um, And we also know that they relate to factors in their lives in ways that make sense. So people who have more friends are are more happy. Um, But the beauty of these measures is they allowed us to look in real detail and to, to put some precision on questions like, well, what makes you happier, having friends or having more money? And, and that's that's the real value of those measures. OK, um, so isn't the problem, though, with all of these uh, new measurements you're proposing, that anyone can pick particular measurements to make the argument that they want to make? Uh, why not just stick to GDP, uh, as it's the measurement that most people around the world are already using? Um, yeah, I, I think that's right. That would be a problem if we kept chopping and changing the measures we use to kind of tell that headline story about how we're doing as a, as a country. Um, we'd never have any sense of whether we're progressing in a particular direction. But um, equally, I think we shouldn't just keep doing the same thing we've been doing if it's not the right thing to do, if it's not, if it's not as effective as it could be, just because that's the way we've always done things. And I mean, it's interesting to kind of think that it actually took decades to develop and then establish the national accounting system that produces GDP figures internationally. And while, you know, there has been quite a lot of activity around this this idea of doing things differently over the last 10 years or so, I'd, I'd say we're still sort of on that journey. And what we need is a lot more kind of focused debate on this so that we can get to a point where we agree this is how we should be measuring our success. And that's going to guide how our economy, what it does and the direction it goes over the next few decades. Well, Juliet, thank you so much for joining us. It sounds like we should all ditch our evil plans for financial success and, you know, go out out together for a beer, hold hands, something like that, Juliet. (laughs) Fancy it? (laughs) Sounds great, Kirsty. Thank Thank you very much for joining us. So gang, you've made it this far uh, and if you like what you've heard and want others to hear it too, please send it to a friend, uh, leave us a cheeky review on iTunes and at the very least, please give us some stars. We'll be back at the same time next week. The Weekly Economics Podcast is brought to you by the New Economics Foundation, an independent think tank and charity that campaigns for a fairer, sustainable economy. Find out more and get involved at neweconomics.org.